You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. by saying that um, this is a podcast, yes it is, about Echo and the Bunnymen. That's right. Right? And every a, single time. Every we, might single not, we might not talk about them explicitly, but, but they, it has to do, everything is essential. And sometimes it has to do with them in a serious way where we're just like really um, hanging on every single detail of ian's wardrobe or something so right. you know you, i mean it, it's uh you get it all you know it's like uh yeah it's great <laughs> it's sweeping and it is a podcast where i come into my husband's studio i take it over i've set up our microphone and i make him talk about this band and i like to know at the beginning of every episode what was i interrupting tonight well uh, I was just wrapping up production on volume nine of the Fireside Book of Folk Songs, my 14-volume guitar album uh, that you can go listen to and purchase on my Bandcamp page. Which is? Um, Shane Parrish. One R at Bandcamp. Bandcamp, Shane Parrish. Just search for it, find it. It's uh, I'm doing this whole book of folk tunes. But I got them at the bins at the Goodwill. Yeah. And uh, and it's uh, it's coming out well. It's gonna be done soon, yeah. and it'll be fourteen volumes, but one hundred forty-seven songs. Anyway, so I was just working on that today a little bit. All right. Yep. And now you're doing this. What a day you've had. I know. I mowed the lawn too. All right. Yeah. So tonight is a special episode. We are doing our very first listener question episode. We answer your questions. A year. After you ask them. <laughs> Six months. To a year. To it's a year. definitely a year. So The oldest one is from November, though. I just looked it up. Oh, really? So, so less than not, a it's year. It's not quite a year. All right. Almost. Um, there Nine are a couple months. that are more recent. Let me tell you about this episode. This episode, um, we got this really beautiful, thoughtful letter from Philip, who goes by Understatement Man on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um he mm -hmm. was like our first fan yeah and he asked us a question about the correlation between bagpipes and will Sargent's playing and just about drone notes or maybe we just decide to talk about drone no notes. it was about drone notes yeah, it was specifically yeah. like about drone notes and maybe how could the pipe music have influenced will Sargent? well i don't even know anymore because i can I mean, this episode we have been working on since Christmas we started. We had technical issues. We started over. We didn't know what direction to take. Oh, yeah. With, and, and, I would, and all the while, I kept promising this individual, this our first fan. Did we lose him? Does man. he even still listen? No, no. He's so sweet because I wrote him like two months ago and I was like, your episode's out next. And then it wasn't. And it was li literally, and we all know that word gets thrown around a lot. It was literally the fifth time that I told him his episode would be next. Well, um, it ju we had technical problems. Well, here we it didn't, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, <laughs> here it is. Here uh, it is, Philip. Thanks know. for your great question. Yeah, you know. We're gonna go above and beyond uh, explaining. Yeah. It, it really gave us a lot of fodder for conversation and analysis uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate it was you know going over this question again and you'll hear it later it's actually like a very well written question well, also that, it's like pure poetry across. it's poetry it's going to be a pleasure I mean it's the most uh, beautifully articulated thing that's ever been stated on our podcast is right. Philip's letter. Yep, so yep. I think you all will enjoy it. And then I briefly answer another um, more recent letter and we address a correction also in this episode. Okay. So there's three people wrote us. 
Yeah. But there's been more since. I know. I think we're at five or six now. So we'll do these every so Ten. often. Don't people write us sometimes? Yeah, they do. We appreciate the encouragement though. We get the we love your if we get a little note that says love the podcast, keep going, that kind of shit makes us feel like, you know, Listen, we're doing something worthwhile. I live for anyone to contact me about anything regarding this band. You don't have to even talk to me about my show. Tell yeah. me your favorite song. Tell me anything. Yeah. I, that's why I'm doing this. It's just to cuz I don't, I don't know any local bunny We're just trying bands. to cross pollinate here, you know, we're just like connecting connect the dots we need to find our people others like you ourselves. know yeah and i found some and that that person will be introduced soon but yeah so, join the family yep. without um, further ado let's hear some letters let's hear some letters Alright everyone, so we are going to begin this episode by answering some listener questions. Alright, let's do it. Okay, so the first question, this wasn't actually a question, <laughs> so, um, well we received a letter, and Shane, would you like to read that message to us? It's more of a correction, really. Yeah, okay. Who's it from? So this is from, uh, Four Bishops, uh... Our buddy Andy, Andrew, Andy Andrew Bishop from New Zealand, writes to the podcast and says, um, Hi there. Like the podcast, you are pronouncing mercy incorrectly. You are saying mercy, and you should be saying mercy. I'm on episode two so far. Ta. I love ta. That's, that's All right. Great. So, and then I wrote back, okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> And we appreciate the comment. Would you mind phonetically spelling mercy beat? Much appreciated. Okay, and at this point, I just want to pause and say, I am horrified at this point. Shane, it's like, I don't know, it, it was probably like 10 or 11, but it felt like 4 in the morning. And Shane is like, we got a letter, and he reads it to me. And all I can think is like, how many times have we been saying mercy, mercy beat? Mercy beat, like mercy me, have mercy, Lord have mercy. Like that's how I say it. Am I sitting there being like the River Thames? But you know, you know what I'm talking about, like yeah. Thames, Thames, like, and it's the River Thames. So uh. is it going to be that level of embarrassment? And I, we can't tell what's going on because he wrote mercy. Thames. He's like, you say, yeah, it's a Thames. Of course it is. Yeah. Everybody knows that. And like, but is this on the level? I only of that? know that because of a song on the Genesis album. Uh, uh, it's like saying the Nile being like Nile or something. Like, what are you? Oh, what yeah. are we doing? I only know it from uh, the Genesis album, uh, Selling England by the pound yeah and he says something about old father thames and well, that yeah, was the I first remember. time i learned that it was not thames right right we all have a moment where we learn that so Shane to be clear writes, mercy yeah. is spelled m-e-r-s-e-y and just to be clear too this is a river in liverpool that we talked about extensively it's a river running through it's, liverpool check and out episode one episode one and the beetle like the beatles are part of this new music that came out mercy beat but it's not mercy so go ahead Shane. yeah uh, and he said we're pronouncing it Mercy, M-E-R-C-Y, like Mercy, Mercy, Mercy by Joe Zoe and all. Um, so I wrote back, hey, man, thanks a lot. Uh, would you mind phonetically spelling that? And then uh, he wrote back in all caps, M-E-R space Z-E-E. -E. Mercy. Mercy. With a Z, not a S. And then he wrote again and said, hey, I just noticed that my original message had been auto-corrected and I actually wrote mercy, but he wrote mercy twice. twice. So there's a lot of confusion now. And that's it. I was like, all right, it's mercy. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we're sorry we pronounced mercy beat wrong. It's mercy beat. Mercy beat. Mercy. It feels weird to say that. I'm going to... Um... It's weird. Have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to change my life, change. I my... know, change my name, <laughs> move, move to a new town. My daughter got a book from her, my mother-in-law, and it was Hansel and Gretel, which is a horrifying story. And I read it to her last night, but and she kept family. telling me it's called Hansel and Gretel, 
And she kept correcting me as I read it. And it was so hard for me to say Hansel instead of Hansel. <laughs> like uh, Hansen. That's how we say it in my family my whole life. It's been like Hansel are, and Gretel. You guys Hansel are, and yeah, Gretel. some Georgia. <laughs> this is like a German, like Hans. Black Forest uh, or Dutch story. It's Hansel. There's no way it's Hansel. Well, we say Hansel. We call right? him Hansel. <laughs> well, we want to say thank you. I really, somebody had to say something. And we really appreciate yeah. Andrew. Letting us know. Thank you, buddy. That's really helpful. I know. We don't want to say, you say it wrong. And thanks for listening. Despite our errors. Let's do the update real What's quick. What's the update? <laughs> we have an update. Uh-huh. A special update. Okay, see what you were just listening to. Yes. was recorded like, you know, five or six months ago. Mm-hmm. And we're jumping back in on saturday night to let y'all know that we got another letter okay. i was sitting around by the pool on instagram and i get a message and i get so excited and it's someone and they say this hi loving the podcasts just wanted to point out that in the uk the name less is pronounced les not less. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Okay. Oh, man. So, Andrew, are you messing with us and trying yes. to get us to say Les? Oh, yeah. But I think he's, he's definitely not. I think he's actually, what I want to say first of all to Andrew is thank you. Dear Lord, thank you so much. I am so grateful that somebody said something. Now, Shane, you're making a face over here. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, you don't think that's how they, uh, I'm going to call bullshit on it. I think <laughs> this guy has a sense of humor. Really? Yeah, man. Cause he was, uh, cause he's the same. This is, this is the same guy with the, corrected us on the Mersey. Mersey beat. And that's fine. I believe that. I don't believe this, <laughs> the Les thing. I will not go forward <laughs> in this podcast referring to Les Pattinson as Les Pattinson. The Liz. I think I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I want, you know, I don't know where I to question. go from I here. I don't know what to do now. Well, yeah. I, I have a question because it right. looks like you gave him a long reply. <laughs> I always do. Oh, what write was, me if was, you want a long the... reply with emojis. It was but a, you were okay, like, I thank you? Surprise. That like, uh-uh. <laughs> See, I, that's, I'm on there more. Um, so... Uh, I, I kind of don't ever want to reply because I want to let you have the fun of the <laughs> echo. Yeah, Insta. so what I say, so I wrote like, surprise face. And I said, this information is useful beyond measure. And I said what I just said, again, I, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to let us know how to say the bass player's name. And I made a it's dumb the same face. same guy. I, I know, that's the thing. Oh, yeah, but you didn't know in your reply. Cause no, you're but like, I didn't. And then I wrote, but then at the end, I was like... Wait, it was you. You saved us every time. I want to see a picture time. of this guy. Andrew Bishop. Yep. Oh, what a cool guy. I know. And so All really, right. yeah, he's not leading us astray. But uh, I don't know if he we might can be kidding do about it. That. He might be kidding he might be about kidding. that. Yeah, he does look like he's, maybe he's, he's funny. Yeah, that's funny. But he, but he was so deadpan. He never said, you know, just kidding. or. And also, if he is just kidding, like, yeah. Maybe he's right, though. Maybe, yeah. But it's not going to work for us. Because he could be like, I just pictured it, like, Les, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard. Oi, oi, Les, <laughs> Les, might. But for us. Have another Guinness. Well, Les, I don't know. Maybe I can get into it. How do I How do I sound? So, Les. All right, fuck it. We're day. calling him Les All right, Patton we're going to do it. All right. All right, All whatever. Right. It might be wrong. It feels right. But it feels right. So if you so want to write us a letter and tell us anything, we'll just believe you and we'll change you. our whole policy. And if you want to tell us, like, no, don't, please don't call him Les. It's bugging me that y'all are doing that. I mean, let's, well, this is called the great We could do Les a survey. We, we could, could do, do a survey. survey. I think you can do those on Instagram. Yeah. I don't know. Well, just write us in because really emails where it's at all right well thanks for that update that was interesting yeah that was also surprising (laughs) and i'm glad that we have some long time listeners here you know some people are are really getting through these episodes and it makes us just feel so good yes (laughs) thank you so now this next letter 
was a letter that was sent to me on Instagram a few months ago, and it was probably nothing anybody wanted me to answer on the podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, now this is from, say this word right here, Cynthia Rose Product. Cynthia Rose Product, who is super sweet and writes us and stuff, and is so encouraging, and she wrote, Hi, kids. I love being called a kid at age 41. Here's a question for you. Echo in here. For you, (laughs) Here's a question for you, Echo in here. Did anyone in the band have neck surgery? I don't know the connection to the song Broke My Neck. Any chance y'all know? Cindy Rose. We are going to do, I mean, any opportunity I have to talk about that song, as you may know, it's my second favorite Bunnyman song. I know that's kind of strange because it's like a weird... Um, Which album is that on? It's not on an album. Oh. Broke My Neck is the B-side of A Promise, which is the only release off of um, Heaven Up Here, released in 1981. And... Um, Hum a few bars for me. I forgot... It's a little toe tapper. Just what I meant. <laughs> Broke my neck. Is this ringing a bell? Uh, no, no idea. Okay, well, anyway. And it's the Ebo that goes, you know? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Anyway, I want to do a whole episode on that song. And you know, when I was thinking about, like, maybe... We should do a whole episode on every single one of their songs. Ooh. So we'll do like the full album, how it was made, all the stuff, and then we'll do like an album overview, and then we'll go song by song. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there will be... It's a hundred-year podcast. A whole episode on that song. But the short answer is, I don't think so. I don't think it's about neck surgery. I think it's a metaphor. So, I hope that answers your question. Yep, thank you, Cindy Rose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for real, though. I think it's a metaphor for a spiritual catastrophe and feelings of defeat, and there's like this mind-body split happening that he's alluding to with the broken neck. So, it's almost like he fell from grace and broke his neck. Um, I think there's a theme here of excess and getting carried away in the moment, losing all track of what you were saying and what you were doing, and and that somehow leading to a catastrophe of some sort. And then there's a whole refrain, I helped myself, I couldn't help myself, I helped myself, I couldn't help myself. You know, there's a theme in his early writing, uh, you know, with rescue about feeling helpless and feeling like you need someone to come in and save you. Um that you cannot do it by yourself and that there is there are circumstances beyond your control that are acting upon you but this song also like he's taking ownership for the fact that the catastrophe occurred because of his own inability to restrain himself and keep track It says, no sign of face-to-face, no chance of face-to-face. And to me, that's kind of interesting because when you have um, a neck injury, you can't turn your head to orient to people. And so, yeah, you're just kind of rendered stiff, helpless, and uh, unable to orient and nothing to contend with but consequences for your actions. So, And, you know, there's this other thing about this song, and I am not trying to be grim or morose. I'm just, it, I don't know, and this may just be me, and I'm a weird creep, but, like, I feel like when I read the lyrics of the song and hear it and just how dark and monolithic and anguished it is at the same time with Will's solo, like, I... I always think about um, the fact that two members of the band were lost, uh, lost their lives in motorcycle crashes well after the song was written. And I don't know, I think about broken lives and broken bodies. And I think about um, when catastrophes happen, and you blame yourself. And really, you know, he's so young to have been in internalizing failure like he was so young to have written a song that's this bleak and hopeless it's like no one should be writing this song but like a person having a midlife crisis you know i mean it's unknowable 
almost. But we do know some of us in our youth what this pain of this like tragic failed adulthood looks like, you know? Totally. All right. So that's just my little precursor to that song. And, you know. Here it is. Guess what? We got a letter. We got this really beautiful, thoughtful letter from Philip, who goes by Understatement Man on Instagram. We answer this letter, and it's about drones, but there was a crackly, drony crackle, not unlike the carrot Shane's about to put in his mouth and crunch on. <laughs> All in the background of this and we tried to salvage it because there was some good stuff on it but whatever so not, not the crack not the carrot though so understatement man um, i was thinking i was like i'm gonna eat some chocolate and i was like i'll do a carrot instead and i was proud of myself as i walked <laughs> from the kitchen into the studio to record this episode <laughs> so here is the letter we received by understatement man friend of the podcast it says hi shane and courtney I was fascinated to hear Shane's technical analysis that teased out the influence of sea shanties, which I've always loved for their melancholy swagger overlaid on a strong, simple driving rhythm, which could easily describe Echo and the Bunnymen on so much of the Bunnymen repertoire. And from there, the connection to other British Isle and Appalachian folk music. I'm curious... Do you guys hear the influence of Scottish and Irish pipe instruments on Will Sargent's guitar playing? Has he ever talked about it? So much of his playing is almost ambient, and especially on the album Heaven Up Here, on Over the Wall, for instance, there are places where there is a sort of low background drone, steady or simply repeating, over which the melody is played or sung. It always made me think of the drone pipes on bagpipes. Most bagpipe-type instruments I'm aware of have one or more drone pipes that produce a steady or wavering background note. A sort of sonorous, mournful moan, like the north wind blowing beneath the lighter melody that the chanter pipe is playing. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts and someone with more technical knowledge than myself analyze this possibility. Thanks again for doing the podcast. All the best, Philip. Thank you, Philip, for your very nice letter. Well, I'm really excited to answer this question. Me too. And I want to go ahead and say that I know nothing about music from a technical standpoint. So you're going to you know, play a, a huge role in answering this question. But I'm going to provide you know, the layman's... Uh, lack of understanding okay, okay, about okay, it. Okay. So I don't, you know, I don't know much about music, but I do know what a drone is. Let me see if I can guess. Yep. It is a continuous sound or note that creates a sort of foundation or backdrop for a melody. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I was walking by this, uh, there was like, we were walking through the hotel earlier today and there was this metal object coming out of the ground and it just was making a uh, sound for a really long time yeah. that's a drone that counts right all the yeah. david lynch stuff that's going on in the background yeah of yeah he uses a lot of drones that's okay. for sure yeah so for example let's like row 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 your boat is an example you can take one of the notes and just extend it right yeah pretty much any of them right any of them okay so let's start let's just do it i'll start with the row as a backdrop and you you sing the melody okay okay here we go okay you My, i'm a, i'm a great singer let's do this <laughs> okay row, row or maybe you want to go no, lower. that's good let's do this here we okay. go is Ready? that the first row 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 your boat gently down the stream merrily 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 life is but a dream to get in that circular breathing now did you notice that it was like i was doing a uh, (laughs) and shane was singing up and down the scale (laughs) i went up and down the scale i went do 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 re me so i could hit me 
Did I, did I change keys? Because it's hard. That was hard. Okay, you know what? Enough with the row, row, row your boat. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that, except little, maybe our daughter. A little juvenile. Yeah. yeah, it's a little... It's also a little sad listening to me unable to sing <laughs> row, row your boat, so... Uh, okay, so let's yeah. actually take an Echo in the Bunnymen song, and one that kind of has a drone in the recording recorded version of it already, yeah. Ocean Rain. Okay, Ocean kinda Rain. Kind of begins with this drone sound. Yeah. And let's just use some different drones behind that song and see what it does to the melody. Okay, so um, I'm going to be using what's called a freeze pedal. And what that does is it essentially freezes a note so that it creates a drone. And it's so basically it's a drone pedal, but they call it a freeze. It's like a note's frozen and it just hangs there indefinitely. And then you can play over it so you can accompany yourself. And I am going to uh, play the root note now, which is a D, for Ocean Rain and play the melody over it so we can kind of see what that sounds like. That was the root note underneath the melody. We felt like we were at home, right? Everything made sense. Yeah, it was just, right. Yeah, it was it was just a a substrate that we were we were grounded and um the gravity of that note held all the notes to its surface and we were whole and complete. There was nothing tense about that. You know, we just felt it was it's about gravity. And that note is the note of gravity, like the sun, how the planets orbit around the sun, the notes orbited around that note, and it held them together in a wholeness. Because that is a note from the song. It's the root note of the song. Yeah. So the melody of this song kind of goes from the five to the five, and then it goes down to the three, and then it hovers kind of in an E minor feel, and I never even played the E minor root, but still it doesn't matter because the song feels like, this is a secret of Echo and the Bunnymen that they do all the time. So the song is actually kind of in the Dorian mode melodically, which is a minor scale that starts on the second degree of the major key that we're in. No, but this is like the chemical makeup of most Echo and the Bunnymen songs. And we find this again and again in their music is that they like the use of like suspended twos because it has this mysterious minor quality and that's this thing that we all relate to with this like sort of bittersweet sadness but the song's in a major key the melody feels sad and mysterious you know i love that something that makes you feel feelings and feel so strongly can be notated and analyzed like the feelings that that music brings up they're just like a series of notes that can be written down yeah okay that's that's interesting um yeah it really is it really is interesting <laughs> anyway good job feel guys the feeling of it okay so let's listen to the yeah. next one okay so the let's next play note. the next one okay here we go i'm gonna go ahead and play the uh the a now which is really just the the other note of the bass line it's a two note bass line it goes from d to a so here we go Okay, so how did that make you feel? Okay, so that one made me feel a little more activated and energized for some reason. Yeah. yeah. And it, it still went with the song, though. It still felt right, like yeah, the universe yeah. of the song. It's weird, right? It, it, felt, it felt brighter somehow. Right. And so I want to just say this, because the, the previous note was the root, and that's yeah. the tonal center, and then that was the five. You know, you could think of the root and the five as being like the pillars of a song they're the pillars of a, a, a key when you think they're of a song five notes apart well yeah the yeah uh, do me do re mi sure paso. they're three and a half steps apart and okay. you know it's like i mean you don't need to get into it it's just like they're the pillars of the key they're considered to be the stable intervals in the key and it's the most common interval well five to one cadence is the most common uh cadence and so oh, listen 
the one and the five are the pillars of the key. They feel they're both they're what brings stability to a key. Yeah. And every, all the other notes then are ornaments. Okay. Let's look at it that way. Okay. Now, and and bass lines. If I may be a bit controversial, uh, bass players' jobs are to play the root and the five. Okay. In the band. Now, a bass player. What happens with a lot of bass players is. They get too good and they get bored. They get bored and then you got Jaco Pastorius on your hands, you know, because they they want, well I don't want to just play the root and the five. I want to play the three and the two and the nine and the five. Yeah, I want to be. I want to shred now. Like I learned, I got too good at this thing. But a good bass player, a good bass player hovers around the like root and the five, you know, because and and even like the great bass player knows how to like imply those notes. Like James Jamerson, great Motown bass player on all the Motown hits that you know. Les is a big uh, fan. But uh, yeah, so it's it's still like they still touch on those notes because they're the stable notes that hold the key together, and that's why you, that's the cloud. Think of it like this: it's like if you're floating on a cloud. The whole band, which is the bass note, this big woofy thing that everyone's on this big yeah. like pillow, and the whole band's encapsulated in this low bass note that's ringing yeah. out. If that note's different, that's the drone note, right? That note fucks everything up. But the root note—that's why if a bass player messes up, the whole band just, goes oh, out of tune. Totally whole, sounds, sounds like somebody yeah. farted, as my friend Noel used to say. Yeah. yeah, the whole band goes out of tune. So, but the five is the other stable interval, you know. So that's why right. this still sounds—it still sounds right, but it sounds good. different it sounds because brighter. we've removed we've removed the the root note. So now the whole song has a different energy and yeah. like backdrop to it mm-hmm. i mean yeah that's yeah what I'm about. we could get we could analyze it more and i think that would be fascinating but not right but now let's not. That, that exceeds the scope of this podcast yeah. let's play one more weird I, note i will say this okay the more you know about music mm-hmm. the more the mystery deepens so so now there let's you go do one that's really wrong sounding Okay, so, you know, our ears are really used to this shit because we've all seen horror movies or whatever. But the two most dissonant intervals in music, the flat five and the flat two. I'm just going to kind of bang these out real quick and we can see what we think. Okay. make you feel well that made me feel uncomfortable and apprehensive and a little scared um it sounded incorrect you know Mm -hmm. but i also i mean i also liked it in a way you know i like that eeriness and yeah it's interesting so the flat two and the flat five that's the technical name for these intervals the flat two and the flat five are considered the most dissonant intervals right right and if you think about them spatially because remember yeah. we felt we felt most at home in the root note, right? Right. Everything was stable, and yeah. these are just fancy. Don't be scared by numbers, but the flat two that is a, that's the closest note to the to the root note. It, it's so like you look at oh, the piano. It's so close, but it's not on it. So it's like if we took that root note that was so warm and just tweaked it like a half step, half moved step, it a half step, up, yeah, down. Up or down. Up or down. Then it would sound totally wrong. More wrong than if you were a few more steps down. Exactly. Okay. Okay. But can you play it on piano real quick? Yeah, let's hear it on the piano real quick. Okay, here we go. So here we go. What are we doing? A D? Yeah. Um, Flat two. Hold on. I'm going to plug in this. Oh, this is worth it to everybody. It is. It's great. All right, listen. So here's the D note. Okay, now here's the half step, the flat two. Okay, here they are at the same time. Oh, okay, no. That's as close as you can get. That's a sour note. That's as close as you can get, okay? Now listen. <laughs> They're right next to each other. The other note, the flat five, the other okay. most dissonant note. Okay, the other... In f- music. Yeah. Is as far away as you can get. It's as far away as you can get. It's as far from the root note. So Again, the first have, note in Ocean Rain. So here you have your D note. Now here you have your flat five note. Here they are together. They don't look that far apart. They're as far as you can get. Oh, why? Right down the middle. But before you get to the other root note. Here's D. Here's yeah. D. 
It's right in the middle. Okay. It's symmetrically distant, equidistant from either side, from either root note on either sides of the octave. Okay, so isn't this the Devil's Fifth from Black Sabbath and like Rites of Spring and, and stuff? And Metallica. And Metallica. The first one I played, the flat five, is called the Devil's Interval. Okay. And uh, I can get into why that's called the Devil's Interval. It's a medieval thing. Uh, that, uh, but sure, if, Okay, well, real quick. There are 12 notes in the chromatic scale. And uh, so if you went from one note up to the 13, you would be at the same note again. So your octave is the 13th note. Now, the seventh, what divides 13 into two equal parts? 6.5. Seven. Oh. oh, you're right. But seven is smack dab in the middle of that. Oh. And so if you think of the, the root note as being the center which is God, that everything comes back to. It's the tonal center. It's the substrate of everything. Everything revolves around it gravitationally. Then seven is as far as you can get from God. Thus, the devil's interval. And you can listen to it right over here. I just want to say this. So... We are not comfortable when we're too close, and we are also not comfortable when we are too far. Oh, That's my revelation I had recently, thinking about those. We need to be close, but not too close. That's why we need two mics, everyone. Yeah. So just go ahead and drop Shane a few bucks in this Patreon. It, all goes, it goes the same place. Like, isn't the first time that, you know, a composition was written with flat five was the rites of spring? That was like the first time in the West, like a classical piece featured that we know of or that it kind of just owns it. It was like, yeah, it owns it because yeah. you could find that in interval, the West. I mean, you even, find that interval all well, You could find world. it in Bach and, and, and whatnot, too, but in right. a way that like makes sense uh, functionally in a harmonic sense. Because basically what you're talking about is this. That is an interval of tension. Yeah. I felt tense. That's and the here's the thing, is that interval has existed forever, but it, but in classical music, you've heard that interval, but it's always resolved in a way that you didn't feel that tension for any stretch of time, right? It, like it works. Right. It helps you get to a new key or it helps you Like resolve. bending a note in the blues or something. It's just like a stepping stone on the way to a resolve and it makes exactly. you feel a yeah, little yeah. bit of a... And so, but in the case of Rite of Spring, you have that tension without the release. So you could think of Rite of Spring, yeah, it was like, cha, cha, how's it go? Dun, 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 yeah, there we go. And I think that's the thing about a composition that if you earnestly like compose or perform something in that tonality, like it becomes normal feeling you know and it be, i think and you can be and it can be melodic and it can be beautiful and this is where we get into like Thelonious monk i mean you know you think about these dissonant intervals as just not being dissonant anymore you know that's a matter of perspective you yeah. know all right let's get back to our discussion of drones and i thought that's what we were talking about <laughs> all right so i want to say about drones that okay they're found all over the world yeah. We think they kind of originated as, you know, that we know of in Southeast Asia. Of course, you have the sitar with the resonating strings, okay? Then you have Australia. They've got the didgeridoo. Yeah. It's backdrop for their music. Um, okay, so bagpipe. Bagpipes are kind of what we think of first when we think about drone music, mm -hmm. you know? Because they have a part of the instrument that is called a drone that is a... Part of the actual sound. instrument. Love bagpipe. Such a beautiful sound. I love it so much. So Shane, so tell me a little bit about some bagpipe music. Because you did a little okay, study. Okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I thought, you know, just in researching this episode, thinking about drone music, uh, I thought I'd listen to uh, some bagpipe music. And I would maybe try to play a little bit, just try my hand at it. I don't know, on the guitar. Okay, so uh, so I listened to Alan Lomax's recording of Blue Bonnets Over the Ocean. And I kind of transcribed it a little bit and got the drone going on and played it. And I just thought our listeners would like to hear that. Oh, so here's that bagpipe recording. Mm -hmm. 
say. And, uh, it does bring tears to my eyes. It's so beautiful. Only. It's so beautiful. And um, and I think it had different titles. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Blue Bonnets Over the Border, border. Yeah. on that recording. But I think I've seen it as Blue Bonnets Over the Ocean also. Yeah. Anyhow, listen. Uh, so here's a little improvisation I did based on that tune. So wind instruments vibrate columns of air through like a tube or in the case of a bagpipe, I guess a bag and then some tubes or something, you know, Okay. but like, okay. So if you have a bagpipe, it's never, they're all going to be in one specific key. Like they're not going to have a flat fifth built into the instrument. It's not like a chromatic instrument is what you're saying. Okay. Disclaimer, I don't know a goddamn thing about bagpipe, but I'll tell you this. I know, like, for example, like a harmonica. It's a set, yeah, you're saying it's a fixed set, fixed. set of notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a chromatic instrument that can You have to have a different harmonica for each song. Yeah, a different you play. harmonica for each song. And there is a chromatic harmonica with the little bar, slide bar thingy where you oh, can get, really? you know, that people get too good at it and then they sound. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so uh, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Okay. Okay. And uh, people don't like bagpipe music yeah and that's and that's sad because i really like the way it sounds yeah sometimes the bagpipe repertoire i find a bit hokey like i don't like if you listen to like a bagpipe album well there's a couple tracks they're produced now with a bunch of like synthesizers oh all that celtic stuff and all this yeah that's but not even that like just some of like the hokey repertoire like i don't Mm. like i like amazing grace you know, as a song, it's yeah. one of the greatest songs ever written, probably. Which you can right? have a drone on. But I don't need like a bagpipe <laughs> group playing it like all square. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot. I want to hear, like, if someone sang it well or if it was interpreted in an interesting way, but you can't get that with a large ensemble of bagpipers. Everything's going to be pretty even, it seems like. Uh-huh. But but some of these more like Celtic melodies and these kind of like. And traditional bagpipe yeah. songs. Yeah, the, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, and, I love uh, them so much. And too. Uh, so, but I think, and I love it as a sound. Yeah, I remember I played a gig one time. I think like in in Spain, I was playing like a solo set, and I do a thing with like a drone, and I'll like do this really fast like tremolo picking over it, and it's just like with like a you know just like a a, a drone substrate. Yeah, and it has a bagpipe quality. I think I didn't even think of it though. This guy came up to me. He's like, "Your music, uh, it sounds like bagpipe music," and then but it wasn't like a compliment, you know. Yeah, (laughs) and I I was like, "Thanks, man." You know, that's cool. I never thought of it that way. I love that shit. But people, I think, don't like it. Like, I think, I don't know about... They do. It's they a, might it's like it as, a... A, as a fucking novelty on St. Patrick's Day. They might think that it's cool to, like, be at the parade and be like, oh, there's a bagpiper. You know, but, like, as far as, like... You know, I love it. To me, it sounds so much like the human voice. Because it's like... But a human voice kind of wailing, like... <laughs> when it comes in, there's a little bit of a... Right. Um, what is that? How would I say that? Like finding the note for yeah, a second ramping up to it or yeah like yeah kind of glissando yep so bagpipes Ooh, like yeah. so bad <laughs> so bagpipe music is from the british isles which is where will Sargent is from oh yeah right uh-huh. bringing it back yeah okay, yeah. okay. Full circle now Man. now back to the original question Total. what does any of this have to do with will Sargent's playing so not a damn thing <laughs> well so, here's what i'll say here's okay. what i'll say i will say that echo and the bunnymen are a atmospheric band right, right? they mm-hmm. create a lot of atmosphere and you do that sometimes with these kind of sweeping backdrops of sounds there's a lot of use of like the one or two chord melodies and this use of strings you know there's a lot of continuous sounds you know and there's also the really incredible percussive playing you know and sometimes a xylophone here and there a little xylophone you know a little kitchen sink so there's a lot there's a lot going on and you see this with the Velvets. And Will and the band are fans of the Velvet Underground. Venus and Furs has this sort of repeating violin. I don't know if that's a true drone, but there's definitely an ambience in the background yeah. that the melody is on top of. 
And then you have like uh, Waiting for My Man, which is that chorusy guitar, just ching, 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 ching in the piano, playing a constant note. I don't know if these are even true drones, though. Well, I tell you, the term is used somewhat loosely, I think, when I you start talking. Right. Like, there's an ambiguity in, like, popular usage. I mean, because it's just a tab establishing, like, a tonal center that then is a cloud for all the music to float on the whole time or to move around on. Like, uh, like you know, because if you just play one note over and over again, you could think of it as droning. Or if someone's just talking endlessly, you're like, they're just droning on and on and on. They're making this, talking, saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> like us, we're just droning endlessly about Echo and the, the Bunny Man, man. ostensibly. Okay, but understatement, man, I'm going to come through for you here, and I'm going to do what I was taught to do. I'm going to use... My liberal arts education. I, you know, we are taught to make connections between things that are not connected. Oh, yeah. And so, and I, you know, there's some bagpipes Insert somewhere. Insert your meaning. And drones. Okay, so one song that re <laughs> that reminds me of a bagpipe song is A Promise. You know, sure, why not? It has a kind of droney. It's one chord, and they kind of maybe change something. I'll let you, I'll let you kind of. It's a song uh, by the Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah, the Promise. And, uh, it's called the Promise, and uh, it's heavy. Off heaven it's heavy. up it's here in nineteen. Heaven up here in nineteen. It's a heavy song, man. He's crying in the song. He's like, he's like, you said something will change. You promise. It's such a childlike thing. It's such. I'm just like throwing a temper tantrum, you know. But it's heavy because it's, it's like, because like, it's a de there's a desperation in this song. This song really hit me hard. A couple times, <laughs> it did. Yeah, I was I like, would... "Whoa, this is insane." That's this is an example. That's some extreme singing too. Yeah, like um, it is. It's it's some of the most extreme singing. Yeah. Okay, we'll play it. On right now, it's like a go-go song, though. Now it's like, it's like now Will all, all good. Will is doing a thing with his guitar. It's called James Brown Funk Picking. No, he does it no, all the time. No, but the other thing, okay, should I pause it? It sounds like a sitar. It's that way of playing. Everybody in the 60s would make that sound with their guitar. Am I right? And it's a sort of a sitar-y sound, which is a drone instrument. Yeah. Sitar has uh, resonating strings. Yep. So that's not really bagpipey. What about this song is like a bagpipe? Do you need more? Can you remember this thing? Oh, I'll need some more, yeah. All right. So what do you think now? His voice sounds like a bagpipe. You know, there's a wailing kind of, okay. um, there's a break in the voice of the bagpipe yeah. in a way. There's like a wailing sound to it. It's all in one key, but it kind of, every now and then the, the drone will change and you're like, oh, something different's happening yeah. a little bit. Okay, anything about the song remind you of bagpipe music? Go, oh, go, make a No, no. <laughs> okay, no. all right. So, <laughs> nope, nope. All right, now let's look at, let's, in terms of dr like drones, tell me why or why not this song. A Promise? Has it? No. Oh. Well, there's a wind in the background of that. Over the wall, friends. Are we droning? There's like a no, like a soft substrate. Yeah. A quick, yeah, like a fuzzy. I love it. Yeah. They're in that okay. minor suspended zone. They're always in. All right, they're always. That's where I'm always in too. I like it, and that's where that Ornette Coleman song's in. Now, what other songs have a drone by them? Uh, oh, I know. What? Um, the puppet. That has a really quiet drone. It's the it first does. thing that it comes does. in. First thing that comes in. Yep. Yeah. And it's there for the song. It's there for the song. It's yeah. Whole... 
practice, my fall for practice makes perfect. Change the wall for maximum hold. I love the way that song is produced. Beautiful. So is that like a bad pipe song? No. <laughs> okay, so um, one last thing. Oh, damn it. But, but in that, it has a drone. <laughs> it does. Oh, do you know what song sounds like a bagpipe song? Which one? I know which one sounds like a bagpipe song. Which? Explicitly. Like which one? Weird. What's that? Na, 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 na. The Cutter? Yeah. <gasps> oh, okay. That, sing it for me. I just sang that terribly. What is that? That's not, that's a synthesizer that could that sounds like a, a bagpipe melody. Ah. Wouldn't it be sick to <laughs> wouldn't it be sick to hear a uh, hundred bagpipes playing that song yeah. in the field? Has anyone ever done that? That needs there to happen. There should be a bag. Can you imagine oh. that, just that whole that song with, with, with the huge yeah. bagpipe section? Oh, you know, well, they use strings a lot. And strings are one of those instruments where you're capable of making a continuous noise because that is really what makes a drone. It's continuous. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're working with like a pedal note right. or whatever. But that's not like a synthesizer. But that does, And synthesizers can do it too. Yeah. yeah, that was a synthesizer. But they use strings a lot, yeah. you know. So they have these long notes in their music and they have right. a lot of atmosphere. So that can seem like drone music. Yeah. I will say this, there is a scene in that movie of Ian McCulloch bar hopping and singing karaoke to his own songs that's called You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, following he's, the... he's not singing karaoke to his own songs, <laughs> but no one has answered us. <laughs> Shane thinks he's singing karaoke to his own songs, is he? But that movie like the, is the La Dolce Vita of Liverpool where they're just, it's the endless night of just at the bars and what have you. And one of those scenes, the French journalists is asking Ian because they're in a bar they're in a bar and and there's some like old English drunks in the corner singing like uh, drunk Scottish songs. folk songs like sing-alongs like barroom sing-along sea shanty vibe kind of stuff yeah. and it's awesome and it's like yeah and then the Swedish chef comes in and it's all good but so <laughs> so the thing is the so the interviewer says Oh, this is the music of your youth. You, this is what you uh, you are raised on. This music influenced you. I can see this music is a part of your uh, background, and that it's very apparent to me. And it's like, fuck, fuck no, fucking Beatles, fucking Beatles, and and that was it. <laughs> and that might be Will Sargent's relationship to bagpipe music. <laughs> um, but well, he was a woolly back, so doesn't that mean, which is a word. For it's the, like the, the correlate to redneck. So he was definitely standing in a field surrounded by bagpipes. sheep and, and bagpipes and bunnies and elves and fairies and Stonehenge. And he's standing in the middle of that, just like, uh, that's so... I'm sure bagpipes really, they play a huge part. I'm sure he heard some bagpipes. He probably, you know, they probably like went to like a game now and then. I wonder if they'll actually maybe at the foot soccer games. Do they play bagpipes oh, at the soccer games? I don't know. <laughs> we don't That's know. racist. Listen. Uh, and it's football. All right. I'm just going to tell you this. I fucking saw Rod Stewart in concert with my mom. <laughs> And he brought a motherfucking bad piper out, and they played some shit. And then Rod Stewart started kicking fucking soccer balls into the audience, and that's all I know about this shit. Ian kicked a... And this is one thing I forgot to say in the huge episode about the guy. Remember when I saw Ian McCulloch play, and I did a whole episode about it in the last episode? When you met him? When I met him. And you saw them in Detroit? He kicked... He takes a sheet at one point, and he crumples it slowly into a ball shape and my friend turns to me she's like what's going on i was like i don't know and then he kicks this ball sheet kicks a sheet uh-huh into the audience all right and i swear you want to snap a picture of him in doing that kick and put it on some shoes like his silhouette on a pair of like soccer shoes football shoes because even when you're watching you'll never walk alone and you see um mick head he knew how to kick a football. Anyway, why was I talking about this? Bagpipes in the, Bagpipes in the soccer, at the soccer game. 
So thanks for your question, uh, um, understatement man. We uh, and thank you, understatement man. It was an intelligent you... question uh, and thoughtful, <laughs> and I hope you enjoy our answer. Enjoyed our because we talking really... at it. Thanks for giving us this perspective. I love these kind of questions. I love looking at the zeitgeist and just kind of the continuity of like how music emerges in different cultures, and you know, also. Um, you know, just really physiologically, scientifically around the world, you know, it's kind of like interesting how these phenomena are, you know, like a drone. Oh, we're going to use a drone. I mean, you can find that anywhere. Find it in Aboriginal Australia. You find it in the Babcipes of, you know, Scotland. Find, find it in it Southeast the hotel Asia. You can, complex. You can find it in your own house with like a I some mean, background noise. I mean, planets are giving off a drone, exactly. right? Like the planets Stars, vibrating. I mean, everything, the space yeah. expanding gives off a, a sort of quiet It's all just jump. one big note. All right, so I think those are our questions. Yeah, that's great. We Thanks, did. everybody. <laughs> we have an update. So I am glad that, you know, that we did take so long answering this question because I think, and I think more It hit me like revealed. a bolt of lightning. It was a bolt <laughs> of lightning. I was upstairs taking a bath, and I knew we were going to record. No shame. We had to do Love these plugins, and I was reading this thing, and I thought, holy shit. Okay. So this is the new end of the episode. Okay. Probably. All right. Okay. I have another theory. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Bill Drummond. Yeah. Who was the manager of Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. Is Scottish. And Will is Scottish. That's what, I mean, Ian, you know, says in an interview that I've watched on YouTube, I have an, you know... An affinity okay. with the Scottish. His dad's Scottish. So probably because of Bill Drummond. He wanted to be cool like... The, well, here's my theory, possibly, about the Scottish bagpipe influence in oh. their music. Brody, Ian Brody, who was in the band Big in Japan oh, with yeah. Bill Drummond. And the Lightning And season. produced yes. the albums while Drummond was managing... Are they're the Scottish chameleons. and mm-hmm. and and Drummond has this whole chapter in his autobiography about this like irrational nationalism that Scots have, oh. and he was saying like these guys, these men don't give a shit. Like they're they can watch their children being born and their parents dying and they won't cry. Oh. You know they're like but but they'll be at the football game. And like their losing team will, if their team loses or wins, they just start weeping, you know, and they have this like, just kind of this, and this, and they're kind of taught about just Scottish, you know, the Scots invading France or something, you know, they have this kind of like history that's sort of kind of blown out of proportion for what they are, but they have a sense of pride, a national pride that's exceeds sort of just like it doesn't make any sense like all nationalism right yeah and uh and so and he was saying that as he because drummond got commissioned to possibly write this song for the world cup in the late 90s for scotland like the scotland like national song oh i know oh i know well drummond oh got commissioned to do it and he ended up not doing it oh the Echo and the Bunny Man apparently did something with the Spice Girls for the football game, which is don't, total insanity. Yeah, I'm changed. Like, uh, can I look that up? And I said, no, we're going to get so, there. So, but anyway, but there's something about this, like, Scottish identity, which, you know, of course, sports comes into play. Well, here's the thing. I don't understand Scotland. I, You know, in, in our country, because of St. Patrick's Day, the Irish are really glamorized, but all we know of them are leprechauns i mean seriously like that is right. all that's common yeah. knowledge but people like to say that they have irish ancestry yeah nobody really talks about scottish he- scotland here and nobody right. really knows anything about them except bagpipes so Karen yeah and, and this is the thing and they, i think they do relish this like underdog status but there's this like pride about their their identity right their identity but noam chomsky warns us about that doesn't he like any form of nationalism is it only if it's in like a like a larger it's not a nationalism that wants to crush other people explicitly like it's not it's like a it's just this kind of familial kind of kinship that like clannish like yeah it's seriously in fact i think drummond explicitly states like 
we're not like the English who want to come and like just like bludgeon everybody and like you know it's like it's a different thing. Yeah. So anyway, it's still like goofy though, and he knows it's irrational, and he kind of ends the chapter by saying like, you know, I'm gonna just focus on my family and my kids and my life or whatever, you know, and like I'm not, you know, I'm just gonna be kind of unaffected by things or something until i hear those pipes are calling and then i start to like the tears well up in my eye and i have this theory possibly that because we talk about drummond's influence maybe as a manager but maybe or we haven't talked about it but we're going to talk about it but 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 he was also with brody producing the records and they're right. good records kind of lean heavily, more heavily towards this like ambient, like drone quality. And oh. I'm thinking like oh, the yeah. Scottish identity <gasps> then with Brody as producer, maybe we're giving Will too much credit because a producer. And if you think about their later oh. records, if you think about their later. Producers are everything. Right. And that's one of my. Well, Brody's the producer. Bill Drum is the fucking manager. And Will is playing guitar Bill... and he's writing some cool stuff. And I'm sure he has a lot of great ideas. But I'm just saying it's like there's I have this this is kind of like making me think, oh, maybe this national identity that does associate with the pipes and all this, which it is. Those are at the games and shit like has creeped in to the Scottish, (laughs) the Scottish uh, sort of oversight of Drummond as manager and Brody as producer of these records. Now, the first two, though, Brody did. Brody did. I need to check on all of all that. Right, I don't know right. which records he produced, <laughs> but right, I know. Just but according to Drummond, he did he produce like rescue. They're, they're good records. Okay, all right, <laughs> there you go. And you can decide, listener. He some didn't say them. like only the good records were by Brody, but he was saying like, yeah, some of them. Yeah, because I know some, like some. They went to France for mm-hmm. Ocean Rain or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, see, Shane I know not too much. I know knows, too much. I know yeah, too much. Yeah, but he'll forget it. But anyway, do you understand that? Like, but I just think this is an interesting take because. We were talking heavy on the will, and then I read this chapter. Actually, I was taking a bath right before we plugged this in, and I was like, whoa. It just dawned on me that there is some like national identity thing coming in with this like soundscape this of, of the pipes in the glen. That's what he says. And it's like, oh. and that's like part of this mystique that, that Drummond brings to the table. And if Brody's the producer, and he's kind of like Drummond's guy, and they're, they're guys together, and he's also an amazing musician and producer there's there's some other there are other forces at play here that might actually that influence has actually seeped into the production of this music uh and you don't hear it as much later right you know what i mean well no i think that they are leaning into more of a psychedelic ambience i mean this is you know something we'll talk about in the future (laughs) because uh, we're slowly rolling downhill now. And picking up <laughs> speed, kind of? Okay, <laughs> listen. <laughs> um, that is, I think that is actually a, a really thoughtful connection. And I think right? it's absolutely... Consider that hypothesis. Just Yes. Because we recorded this other part stuff a yeah. while ago about Ooh, you know the drone and like Will and maybe no like you know ago. there's no way that influenced it but you forget there's a producer and a manager there's other cooks in this kitchen well they're, and they're Scottish yep this is not this is not about four guys this podcast it is about everyone it's about everyone there you go all right so on that note uh, everyone have a great night or day and we'll see you all again in a couple of weeks. You can write us a letter at echo in here podcast at gmail.com. Let's get the hell out of here.